This is 105.9 The Region, and you're listening to Discovery, the radio show for podcasters. Your content, unfiltered. This is Discovery. You're listening to New Music on The Region, an interview-based podcast that showcases new music and provides industry insight. I'm your host, Christina Lavecchia, Music Director at 105.9 The Region. This week, I'm speaking with Johnny Dovercourt, a 20-year-plus veteran of the Toronto music community. In addition to being a writer, musician, and concert presenter, he is the co-founder of Wavelength Music, which is a nonprofit concert series. And more recently, Johnny is the host of the podcast series, Any Night of the Week, a walking history of Toronto music, which takes listeners on a virtual walking tour, retailing stories about iconic venues and interviews with the influential artists and promoters that rock them. To learn more about the podcast series, Johnny joins me now. Hi, Johnny. Welcome to New Music on the Region podcast. Thanks so much for having me. So how did the podcast come about and why release it now? Well, two years ago, I released a book called Any Night of the Week, a DIY history of Toronto music, covering the years 1957 to 2001, which is a look at the lesser known side of the local music scene, looking at some of the really under-celebrated artists and scene builders that made up the local music scene. And I was invited by the good people of the Toronto International Festival of Authors to adapt the book into a podcast format. And this took the form of a virtual walking tour, because a lot of the book is really about uh, celebrating the importance of live music venues for building the local music scene. So you can listen to the podcast and walk down the street while you're listening to it and imagine yourself being taken on a guided tour down streets like Queen West or Young Street, and you'll hear my voice telling you stories about some of the past and present music spaces that you could find on the street, the spaces that were really important for building the scene in past decades and and that are still keeping the music scene alive today. And what is it about the years 1957 to 2001 that really uh, caught your attention to cover those years specifically? Well, Really, 2001 was kind of the the, the cutoff point for the chronology of the book because that marked the beginning of the internet. And from the 50s through to the early 2000s, you really saw the sort of evolution of modern pop music, starting with rock and roll in the 50s and then folk and psychedelia in the 60s and then punk and reggae and new wave in the 70s. And then in the 80s and 90s, you can see the beginnings of alternative music, electronic music, indie music. And um, But really, in 2001, the internet changed everything, and so much happened in the last 20 years that could fill a whole second volume of a book. When writing the book, did anything surprise you? So much was surprising about this. In some ways, uh, one of the most surprising things was uh, how little has changed in the sense that artists still really have a struggle to survive and to make careers for themselves. And... And this is sort of a common theme over the decades is how much, especially in Toronto, people really had to do it themselves because even though this is the the center of the, the recording industry or the music industry in Canada, um, there still was not a lot of support for local artists. It's improved a lot in the last 20 years, certainly, but that was definitely a, a surprising common thread was how much artists really needed to be self-sufficient. The first season of the podcast guided listeners through Young Street, Queen Street West, Yorkville, the Annex, and Kensington Market. And you're back with season two. What can listeners expect from those episodes? 
Yeah, season two is really fun because I got to sort of go beyond the traditional areas we think of as being the hotbeds for live music, which I got to cover in the first season, and go further afield outside of the downtown core. So in the first episode, cover the east end of Toronto um, and visit venues like the Opera House in uh, the Riverside neighborhood on Queen East, or the Danforth Music Hall and the only cafe on the Danforth. And then um, in episode two of season two, I visit Scarborough, which was really personally meaningful for me because I grew up in Scarborough. And as someone who was interested in music and playing in bands as a teenager, there weren't a lot of places to play in my backyard. And there still are not many music spaces or music venues or traditional music venues in Scarborough right now, but there's still a lot of opportunity for new ways of experiencing live music, whether it's pop-ups in parks or parking lots happen in places like Scarborough or parts of the city like that that have been traditionally underserved in terms of cultural infrastructure. And then for the third episode, I go back downtown to the West End to my current hood of Dundas Street West, which is really kind of the present-day hotbed for where the music scene is really, really evolving in the 21st century with venues like the Dakota Tavern and the Garrison and Lula Lounge. So it's a really exciting overview, not just of the music scene's history, but also where we're going now. And there's a lot of big names that came out of the city, Scarborough, the Bare Naked Ladies, and The Weeknd. Is there anything from that specific episode you could share with our listeners, anything that you think they would be surprised to find out about? Yeah, I think in in Scarborough, there's uh, there was a lot of music scenes that uh, focus around high schools, especially in hip hop music. Um, schools like Francis Lieberman High School was where the Monolith Crew came from, and my uh, own alma mater, Wolverine CI. You can actually see featured in a, a documentary made in 1994 called "Make Some Noise," which is a, a view onto the the old school hip hop scene in Toronto in the mid 90s. And there's a lot of places in Scarborough that I think of as having the potential to be hotbeds for live music in the future. And I talk about Guild Park, which is an amazing location. It's a beautiful green park full of these architectural follies, these sculptures made of old demolished buildings that are just aching to become stages for performers in the future. How many episodes does season two have? I believe the last episode was in December of 2021. Yes, there's the three episodes I talked about, the East End, Scarborough, and Dundas West. And is there any upcoming episodes for season two? That's it for now. There's a lot of content to be found in those. It's pretty information dense. So there's a, there's, there's a lot to listen to and what's already out there. And uh, as I was mentioning at the top of the interview, uh, you're a writer, you're a musician and concert presenter who has been active in the city's local independent music community since the 90s. And over the past year and a half, the live music scene has been hit hard because of the pandemic. We're currently in a spot where venues are closing, concerts are being canceled or postponed. Being in the industry, how has the past you know, almost two years been for you and where do you see things going from here? Well, it's been really difficult, and the last, the most recent shutdown, I think, was probably in some ways the most heartbreaking because everyone worked so hard to get things back up and running in this past fall, and we built up momentum again and then had to shut down yet again. And I think everyone is just really, really at a, a feeling really, really low right now, and after having almost two years of shutdowns. 
And yeah, it's, it's been a challenge for everybody. Um, but, you know, there have been some silver linings of the past two years. I mean, thanks to a lot of you know, very generous government support, a lot of, you know, a lot of people that would have gone out of business have been able to survive and, and just squeak by. And, you know, there was a lot of opportunity to get creative with the online format when everyone was doing live stream events and Speaking with my Wavelength hat on, our series was able to continue and keep paying artists to perform. And by doing online shows, we actually, in some ways, reached a much larger audience because suddenly we weren't limited by geography. We were reaching people in Brazil and the UK and the States. And that was really exciting. But at the same time, nothing can really replace the joy of bringing people together in a space. So Everyone's hoping that this wave of the pandemic will will crest and die out soon because I don't really know how much longer the music scene will be able to survive as this shutdown continues further beyond the spring. Let's say 20 years from now, you're going to write another book, which covers the years <laughs> 2020 to 2022. How do you think that chapter would look like? Oh, the pandemic chapter yeah. of, the, of, the, of the future book? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I think it would be a lot of people sort of having to go inwards and do a lot of, you know, being forced to introspect and, and asking themselves why they make music and why they care so much about about music and finding the value in it. Um, I think that, yeah, it'll be, a, I think it'll be an introspective chapter, but I think it'll also end up being transformative because we've been forced to look at the way we do things and really um, approach what we do from a more of like a real place of passion of wanting to really believe in it, but wanting to do it better and wanting to present music in a more sustainable and equitable way and really transform what we're doing. And that's what I hope will come out of this is some new models of presenting live music that are going to make the, the music scene even better and for everybody in the future. Any Night of the Week, the history and future of Toronto music, which is a podcast, and Any Night of the Week, a DIY history of Toronto music, 1957 to 2001, is the book, are both available now. Where can listeners get their copy of the book and listen to the podcast? You can order the book from Coach House Books, which is our publisher. Best to order directly from them at chbooks.com, or you can find it in stores at Type Books or Indigo. And the podcast, you can search for any night of the week and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And to learn more about Johnny and his work, his website is johnnydovercourt.com. And he's on Twitter and Instagram as well. And his handle is at jdovercourt. Johnny, it was great to speak with you. I'm looking forward to listening to the rest of season two of Any Night of the Week. Thank you for joining me on New Music on the Region podcast. Thanks so much, Christina. Great to chat with you. And before we go, we play the best of the 80s, 90s, and now. Did you want to throw in a song request? Anything by Martha and the Muffins would be great, but there's one song I have in mind. It's called Swimming. Yeah. Swimming? It's um, Swimming by Martha and the Muffins. Okay, we'll get that for you then. Okay. All right, thanks, Johnny. Thank you.
an idea or a podcast to share send it to us here at discovery the radio show for podcasters on 1059 the region hello and welcome to the science of healthy weight loss with dr stanley k bernstein a podcast that will demystify deconstruct and detail the journey to healthy weight loss and a healthier you Dr. Bernstein has made it his life work to study the science of healthy weight loss. Over the past 50 years, he's helped hundreds of thousands of people lose millions of pounds of excess weight and restore their health. 
Through his methods, his patients can lose up to 20 pounds every month, improve their associated medical problems, and even get some people off their medications altogether. Our series examines all the angles of losing weight properly, how the science works, the health benefits, why support is so important, how to keep those pounds from creeping back on, and much more. We thank you for joining us. Now, let's start losing weight. On this episode, we'll examine the benefits of healthy weight loss, starting with identifying health issues and medical problems that are further impacted by being overweight. We'll explore how losing weight in a medically supervised manner can be beneficial to existing medical problems, and we'll take that one a step further and hear some remarkable examples from Dr. Bernstein about patients whose health improved dramatically once they lost those excess pounds. All this and more on this episode of The Science of Healthy Weight Loss. There are all sorts of reasons for wanting to lose weight. A big motivation is wanting to look thinner, to fit into clothes more comfortably, to not be so self-conscious, and to like what we see in the mirror. But another, more impactful reason is our health. We know that excess weight increases our chances of developing many types of cancer, also related to excess weight and poor diet coronary heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, arthritis, irritable bowel syndrome, hip and knee issues, gallbladder problems, sleep apnea, the list of all the conditions and diseases made worse or even caused by carrying extra pounds is enormous. How does extra weight compromise our health so easily? Well, you may recall on our previous episode, Dr. Stanley Bernstein explained that in a balanced system, our body turns the food we eat into glucose, then moves it into our cells for energy. If we eat too much food, too much glucose is created and our body takes the extra glucose and stores it. Most of it is stored in fat cells and these molecules are available as an energy source when we are on a calorie-restricted diet. Now, excess fat, as it flows through the bloodstream, causes high blood cholesterol levels. This cholesterol can accumulate on the walls of arteries and blood vessels, causing plaques, which restrict blood flow. Because of the restricted blood flow, the heart has to work harder to move blood through the body, which can lead to high blood pressure. In addition, the accumulated plaques on the artery and vein walls cause them to harden, making the blood vessel walls more susceptible to tearing internally or totally, which can cause an aneurysm or massive internal bleeding, leading to heart attack, stroke, or death. The long and short of it is, if we are overweight and not doing anything about it, we could develop serious health problems. But... Dr. Bernstein stresses that you can significantly improve these conditions or even turn them around completely with healthy weight loss. Let's go over some of the health issues that are compromised by being overweight and why and how weight loss will improve these conditions, starting with diabetes. Diabetes is a chronic health condition that affects how your body manages carbohydrate metabolism. According to Statistics Canada, more than 2 million Canadians reported being diagnosed with diabetes. 
So how does Dr. Bernstein approach someone with diabetes? They're overweight, they're diabetic, and their blood sugar management is out of control. They're not taking enough medications, they're eating too much of the wrong foods, and their blood sugars are too high and they're running into complications of diabetes. Almost every one of our type 2 diabetics who has lost weight with us will stop all medications, they won't need it anymore, and they do not have clinical diabetes anymore. Type 1 diabetics, which are juvenile diabetics, they're born with diabetes, are not in good control if they're overweight. And as they lose weight with us, their blood sugars do drop into good management levels. We can reduce their diabetic medication significantly so that control becomes much easier and healthier for them. So with healthy weight loss and managing healthy weight, the potential for diabetes to be better controlled or even eliminated is a reality. What about coronary disease, which affects about 1 in 12 Canadians over the age of 12? Coronary disease is the narrowing or blockage of the coronary arteries, which are the blood vessels that carry blood and oxygen to the heart. Dr. Bernstein says it, too, can be dramatically improved with healthy weight loss. The diet that I use will help improve your coronary blood vessel circulation. Cardiologists have told their patient that they have to lose weight and then they have to go through surgery for their coronary vessels to put a stent or two stents in to improve their heart circulation. They've done angiograms and seen significant blockage of blood vessels. Patients have come to us to lose weight. After they've lost a good chunk of weight with us, 30, 50, 100, whatever the number's been, 100 pounds, they have better exercise tolerance, etc. The cardiologist has done second angiograms and found the blood vessels improved dramatically to the point where they do not need surgery. So we have helped cancel coronary surgery on every patient who has lost a significant amount of weight with us. We send them blood requisitions that they have to go to the lab and get the blood done that we want periodically. We'll send them out for further testing, such as a chest x-ray or electrocardiogram or um, liver function tests. And we get patients who, being overweight, have fatty liver disease. They've stored a lot of fat in the liver, and that damages their liver cells that can create serious problems as they get older. Let's talk about knee and hip replacements. How many people in your circle have been told they need a hip or knee replacement surgery? And out of those people, how many are carrying around extra weight? Dr. Bernstein says those issues in most cases he's seen can be fixed up as well with healthy weight loss. When we talk about arthritis, imagine if you're carrying 50, 100 pounds extra or more, your bones and joints feel it. And patients develop arthritis in the weight-bearing joints, like knees, hips, back area, from carrying so much weight and putting the stress on for years. We have had patients who have been advised that they need a hip or a knee replacement because bad arthritis in the hip or knee is causing pain and disability. The doctors have told these patients, you're overweight, and if you go through the surgery of replacing a hip or a knee, You've got to get into an exercise regime, and so you have to lose weight or they won't do the surgery. Patients have come to us to lose weight. Almost every patient that has been sent to us 
to lose weight for a hip or a knee replacement or back surgery, by the time we are done with that patient, we have canceled almost every single surgery. With the extra weight off, the joint improves dramatically and the need for surgery is re-examined. Dr. Bernstein says the patients might have to take acetaminophen once in a while, but surgery is off the table. Dr. Bernstein recalls a story in which two patients were booked for knee replacement. They were getting physiotherapy leading up to their surgery. They lost weight and both ended up canceling the surgery. Dr. Bernstein takes it from here. The physiatrist who was treating these patients called me and asked what did we do to help them lose the weight. I explained our program to her and told her that we've done this for years. We decided to do a medical study and the hospital sent us 35 patients who needed knee replacements done, who were overweight, and we put them on our program, took their excess weight off, and we canceled the knee replacement on 34 of the patients. The one patient was hit by a car, and so that one did have to be replaced. But the arthritic and weight-bearing problems, all of those knees They did not have to do any surgery with them at all. And this story has repeated itself over many, many years. We've covered diabetes, coronary disease, arthritis, all conditions that can be dramatically improved, even cured by healthy weight loss and weight management. What about our stomach and bodily functions? Yep, Dr. Bernstein says if you have digestive issues like heartburn or IBS, those too can be dramatically improved. Another nice effect of eating sensibly and burning fat up properly. Their pancreas works well, their digestive systems work well, the amount of digestive juices that are released into the stomach to help break food down and absorb it work well and get back to normal. And so most bowel-irritating symptoms get improved. Meaning the patients no longer need antacid or antispasmodic medications. And the health benefits of eating properly and losing those extra pounds are not just limited to the adult population. There are a lot of overweight kids and teens out there. It may be just extra weight now, but if they or their parents or guardians aren't on this, it will eventually turn into some of the health issues we just spoke of. Dr. Bernstein weighs in. The sooner you get people to lose weight, the healthier they will be for the rest of their life and the fewer complications there will be. We treat kids now because it's very important to start the treatment early. We've had eight-year-olds, teenagers, lose a large amount of weight. The average female who's five foot four, for instance, should be between 120 and 130 pounds. And we know if they're into the 150 area, we know they're overweight, we know they're carrying too much fat, they can see it in their waist and hip areas, their thigh areas, and her blood sugar may be normal, she's not got arthritis, she's not having symptoms. We know that if she stays at that extra 25 plus pounds, she will be developing symptoms as she gets older, and if they're cardiac symptoms, they're gonna be more serious than if they're just a little pain in the joint type of area. And yes, if they're carrying more than 25 pounds, like 50 or more pounds, they will get the complications earlier in their life. You don't see too many obese 80 or 90 year olds walking around. That's the reality of carrying too much weight. Dr. Bernstein wants us to get to 80 or 90 years of age and still be mobile and healthy. 
and that requires taking a good, hard look at our health today so our future self will thank us. We have not had a patient that I could not treat, and we've treated over 750,000 patients. The only time I've turned someone away, by the way, is a woman who's missed her period by a few days or a month. I won't treat them until I know whether they're pregnant or not. So if we know they're pregnant, I'll put them on our maintenance diet so they're eating on a healthier basis and they can lose a little bit of weight and have enough nutrition for themselves and the baby to grow on. Or they may want to wait till after the delivery and then they'll come to us and take it off in a hurry. But we do want to make sure they don't gain too much during the pregnancy also because that's unhealthy for the baby. So we will use our maintenance on a short-term basis and then get into the real weight loss program after they've delivered. It's so easy to give in to those cravings when you're pregnant. There's a very good chance whipped cream and pickles is not on Dr. Bernstein's plan. And rightly so. There are so many health benefits to losing that extra weight, getting off medication, having more energy and vitality, and long-range growing old and staying vibrant. A program that uses real food, portion control, education, medical supervision without any diet pills or herbal potions or magical miracle cures. There are so many benefits of healthy weight loss with Dr. Bernstein's team who are looking forward to helping you help yourself every step of the way. So, what have you got to lose? Discovery, the radio show for podcasters, exclusive to 105.9 The Region. Expand your audience and extend your reach. Send us your podcast, info at 1059theregion.com.